Come on, let's do that again. Come on, good morning. Do you love Jesus this morning? Come on, are we excited to be in his house this morning and community with one another in church? I am excited to be here today. Tara and I are happy to be back this morning. We were out last weekend preaching at her mom and dad's church in East Texas and had a great time there last weekend, but we are glad to be home. No place like home. It's good to be back. I know sometimes you get away, you're like, oh, you know, it was great to be where we're going, but it's always good to be back home again, and we feel the same way about each one of you. We miss y'all. It is an honor to be able to be here with you and be a part of this church. Uh, God is just doing some amazing things here, and we're excited to be a part of it and watch as he does these things in our lives. This morning, we are in a series in between. So next weekend, as that video played, uh, showed, we will begin our At The Movies series. And so that begins next weekend, and I'll be talking more about that in a moment. But we just came out of a series that lasted 10 weeks. Woo! That's a long series. We have never done uh, anything over seven weeks before, maybe six, but that was, uh, so we killed it. <laughs> we did two and a half series in one series, but I think it was worth it. And I think it was what God had led us to, the Holy Spirit. We really just unpacked the miracles that Jesus did. So if you're new here, you're wondering what that was all about, you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch it there or go to our website and be encouraged by the things that we spoke about there. But I believe it's setting us up for what is to come. I think God is getting ready to do some amazing things, some miraculous things, some supernatural things, some things that he's already been doing. I'll tell you about a few of those in a minute. But as he's doing those things and we're being, we get to be a part of those, it builds our faith for what is to come. And so we are in a season, I believe. So shout out to Justin for closing out the series last weekend. Did a phenomenal job speaking into our close of the miracle as well. And so thank you so much for that and encouraging each one of us and challenging us with the macros, the little things that lead into the miracle as well, the things in our life that are controllable, the things that we can lean into as well as we mesh the natural with the supernatural and see God do amazing things. So uh, this morning, you turn your Bible. If you have your Bible with you, turn, I was going to say use your phone. You can use your phone. You can bring a paper Bible. How many of y'all bring a paper Bible? If you got a paper, old school paper Bible, wave it at me one time. Look at this. We are, we are at a minimum with paper Bibles these days. There's something about an old-fashioned paper Bible, though. There's something about having a book that just, you can, the, paper, the page is so thin. There's no other book like it. Like, there are so many words. It fits in there. It's just, but if you have your electronic device... You should have the Holy Bible downloaded on your phone, on your iPad. You can use that to follow along. We also put it on the screens here. I want you to take note and follow us as we're going through that. Just before we read that, let me encourage you, if you have never been to Growth Track, it happens tonight. Come on, say Growth Track. Growth Track goes down this evening at 6 p.m., and each person that has never gone through it should go through it. It is not just a place where you lean in and go, well, now that I'm here, I'm a member of the church. We use it for that, but it's so much more than that. It's a place where you can discover it's a tool we have to help you begin to see why you're on this earth. The best way I can explain it is I don't want to get to the end of my life, close my eyes and die, and wonder what on earth was I here for. And so as you go through this, it's a tool that we begin to use. It's not a completed project by any means, but it begins to help you see what am I doing on this earth? Why am I here? Why would, I, why would God want me here still? 
you know, if it was just a matter of getting our lives saved and becoming Christians, the moment you got saved, you die. They may as well put a funeral home next to the church and have a, coin, uh, have a joint business because you get saved. You know, honey, don't get saved this morning. We got something to be tonight because the moment you get saved, boom, you're out of here. I know that's a little bit morbid, right? Well, that's not the case. So if you do get saved and you don't go straight to the funeral home, why? Because God still has something for your life. He still has a work for you to do. And now that his spirit dwells in you, you can come alive and begin to see it and engage it and activate it. Oh, that's a lot to say. Like, I could preach a whole message out of that right there. However, you go to Growth Track and hear it said even better. Tonight at 6 o'clock, be there. It happens the first Sunday of each month. I encourage everybody to go through that. It's just to start. There's so many things happening as well. Our movie series begins next weekend, too, and I hope you use these cards. These cards are on every seat that you have. There's handfuls of them in the lobby as well as you leave out today. You can grab them, take them. These are invite cards. Do not leave this in your car. Forget about it and find it in December during Christmas cleanout. Give these away. Invite somebody and say, I'd love to see you at our church next month or this month for three weeks and be a part of our movie series. If you have your Bible, turn to Jeremiah 1. Just before we read that, I'm going to give you one verse that Jesus said out of Matthew 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ooh, what, a pr what a promise. What a great word. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not, will not, cannot prevail against it. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and jump over to Jeremiah 1, and then we're going to make sense of all this. In the Old Testament, God would oftentimes say to old school, Old Testament prophets, a prerequisite for what he was trying to do. He was trying to get them to be a part of it, but they had to see what he was doing. And in Jeremiah 1, when Jeremiah was first called into that, God speaks to him and says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Verse 6. Alas, sovereign Lord. We went like old school right there. Alas. I do not know how to speak. I am too young. The excuses already begin. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say... Whatever I command you to, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. Now, that should immediately give Jeremiah a heads up. It ain't going to be an easy road because he's going to need rescue. If somebody says, hey, hey, go here, I'm going to come and rescue you, you're pretty sure along the way somewhere you're breaking down. Something's not going to go right. So Jeremiah has fair warning, if you will. God promises him to rescue him. Verse 9, the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. And I want to put this in proper context because this is what we're going to focus on, what we read next. Because God insists that Jeremiah see something that is not yet a reality. Verse 10, and God says, see. Say that word with me, see. See, today I've appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, and God asked Jeremiah a question. What do you see, Jeremiah? It's a question I'm asking you this morning. It's a question the Holy Spirit is presenting to you today. 
what do you see? Jeremiah said, I see a branch of an almond tree. He must have been hungry. Sorry, that's a bad joke. That's a bad joke. Jeremiah looks at it, he says, I see a branch of an almond tree. He's revealing to God what he sees. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Look at this tension between this. God says, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah responds, and God responds with, and I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. If you have a promise over your life, you should underline that right there. That when God tells you something, he watches his word that it may be fulfilled. That it does not return to him and come back void, empty, unaccomplished. God is so intent on you believing him, what he says is true, that he himself watches over his word that it is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again one more time and said, what do you see? This morning, I want to speak to you. I call this message, call it like you see it. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your word. It means so much to us. Father, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So open our ears, our eyes, and our heart to understand, to see, and to experience you like we never had before. In Jesus' name, everybody said, uh, let me help you all out right now, because Christmas is approaching. Now, for the next who knows amount of time, I may help you out a little bit with some Christmas gifts, because how many of y'all have somebody in your life that's hard to shop for? Come on. This side has everybody. This side has very few. So this side is a little bit different in life. But, but we have people. Now, it may be you didn't raise your hand over here because you are that somebody. <laughs> because you are the person that is, have you ever been told you are hard to shop for? This past year, Christmas shopping, I shopped for myself. <laughs> I went Christmas shopping for me. Now, it actually is for the whole family, but there was a gift that I really wanted, but I couldn't justify it. And I was like, how am I going to get this? Then it went on sale, and then I had all these gift cards collected for this store, and I was like, finally, but I said, this is a family gift. So I wrapped it up, told Tara about it. We opened it up under the Christmas tree as a family, and we've all participated in using it, and it's an amazing gift. If you're looking for a gift to give somebody this year, if you're looking for a gift to get somebody this year, virtual reality goggles are so nice. They they're awesome. Like you can put these things on and you suddenly are in a whole nother world. Have anybody ever tried them before? Anybody know about virtual reality goggles? Ooh, man. You put these on and you wear them around. And now, now when I put these on, I'm not going to see y'all. If I walk off the edge, somebody let me know before I hit the ground. You put these things on, right? And I'm going to hold the table. And as you're in this world now, everything out here is no longer real. Only this is. If you've ever done virtual reality goggles, you don't, you are suddenly out of touch with reality and you're only in this world right here. You turn them on, you begin to play a game, you can ride a roller coaster and your stomach will become upset and nauseous. If you, if you get on a real roller coaster and you can't handle it, it's almost as if you can't handle it in this world. You can watch dinosaurs come by, and suddenly one will roar and scare you, and you'll take off running. You should YouTube people wearing virtual reality goggles and just have the enjoyment and the laugh of watching how real it becomes when somebody has these on. And the world out here 
is diminished and the world in here becomes a reality. Why? Because what happens is, is everything in here now becomes my life, becomes my reality. And what we do is we play these what-if scenarios. We wear these things and we go, well, well, what if that dinosaur eats me? It happens. What if that roller coaster takes me down a drop? And, like, I, I literally, you could see people do amazing things in these goggles and it'll make you laugh. And the, the problem is, is oftentimes we associate this with the real world that we're living in here. So we forget about the real world and we believe this to be the actual world. And these what-if scenarios become a lifestyle, become a thought pattern, become... See, if you're not careful, you can walk around in this life as if you have virtual reality goggles on. You can, you can suddenly begin to believe that what you're seeing there is what's happening here. Yeah, what if this happened to me? What if this really was my life? What if all of a sudden one day I realized you know what, I might not get married. You know what, what if I get married and then I marry the wrong person? And what happens if then that person hurts me? And what happens if we get married and then we can't have kids? What happens if we get married and we can have kids and we have too many kids? So I laughed because you know that's a... What happens if we got kids, we got too many kids, how can we support these kids? Because what happens then if I got all these kids and I can't keep my job, I lose my job? What happens then if the economy fails? And what happens if then I have to get a bigger vehicle to fit all these kids in, but I don't have a job? We got to move back in with the in-laws. Suddenly... You begin living this what-if life because all you're looking at is through the lens of a false reality. You're looking at life through these goggles of fear, uncertainty. You're watching and you make decisions based on that. So what are you looking at is a really good question. It's a financial question. What are we looking at here? We have some numbers. What are we looking at is a great question in the right situation. But a better question, a spiritual question, is what do you see? Because oftentimes you, what you see with your natural eyes in this reality is not our reality. See, our reality walking with God is can you see in your life what God sees in your life? Or do you see in your life what you see in your life? Because right now you may be in a place where you don't have a job. That's your reality. But can you see through the lenses that God gives you to see yourself flourishing and blossoming in the right position with a vocation and a career that is fulfilling you and helping to produce income for your family? Well, but I mean, I'd like to be there, but I'm not there. But can you see yourself there? Jeremiah was just a young boy, and God says to him, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, but I see an almond tree, a branch. And God says, I see somebody who is going to do great and mighty things because God is always trying to get you onto the same page that he is.
And here's why. Because if God can get you to see what God sees, God can get you to say what God says. Because it's hard to say what God wants you to say if you're not willing to see what God sees. So as we move into this next season of life, as we move at the end of the year, if I can give you any good tip this morning, I am trying to cast vision for you to find vision. I am trying to appeal to you this, to you this morning that you would begin to look the last the, the last couple months of this year, beginning to 2024, can you see your life now and next as God sees it? Some are still walking around heartbroken and hurt. Can you look past hurt and heartbroken and move into healed? You may not feel it yet, but you got to see it first so you can say it next. You've got to see your life healed so you can say, I am healed. And when you can say, I am healed, you begin to speak into existence the world you walk into. And you're walking around, and it still hurts, and there's still pain. But you're now using your faith to create the reality of the world you live in, even though it has not come yet. And when you get to that place, you're asking good questions when you say, what do you see? What do I, what do I see here? Because perception is not reality. Because what you see with your natural eyes is not the reality of life. And it feels like you want to put a, okay, pastor, but like, what if this? Okay, Dave, but like, here's my scenario. There is no okay, but. You step into this place where you realize I have to fully commit to seeing my life in every area through the lens that God sees my life. Now, how do I do this? You do this by getting close to him, by asking him, what do you see in me? God will respond. God is more than happy to let, to let you know. As a matter of fact, he probably has been, and it's probably been bouncing off of you, or you've just been denying it and not believing it. But God has a really good habit of using people who feel disqualified, who have disqualified themselves when God is trying to qualify them. And what Jeremiah is dealing with here is God calling it the way God sees it, and yet too many times we fight God on it. This is why you need growth track. This is why you need to go, and you sit there and you listen, and you go, wait a minute. My life has so much more meaning and purpose and intention. God didn't just accidentally, I'm here and all of a sudden now he's going to just use me because I'm available. His plan for you was set in place before you were born, just like he told Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You were set apart. God knows his plan and he's just waiting to reveal it to you. But you have to be committed to seeing your life through his eyes. Through his lens, we had events before we began this church. Before we started what you see right now, we had events. We had three or four of them. December 23rd, 2016, Tara and I and Frankie and Luca picked up and moved to New Caney, left everything behind where we were, basically parachuted in, didn't know anyone with the intention of starting a church. 
We moved here to start a church. We made some friendships. I coached T-ball. I took one for the team and coached T-ball just to build friendships and relationships, just to lean in and say, hey, you want to come be a part of our church? That is not happening yet, but that's why we moved here. You can imagine trying to sell a product you don't have in your hand. It's going to be the best thing ever. I'm telling you, it's great. Well, I like to try it. It's about a year out. Now, at that time, we were nine months from launching the church, but we were committed to not trying to do little baby church things because we wanted to launch real big. So we'd have these things called vision nights. Now, if you have somebody come up to you and say, do you want to come to vision night? And they don't go to church. That's weird. Vision night. I don't know if I want to come to vision night. What are we going to do? Like you get all these different. So you have to explain it. No, no. I just want you to see because God has told us to go, come here. We moved here. We're starting a church. And when we do, we just want to tell you about it. And there's free food. And people are like, oh, okay. I'll go to that. Why we call them vision nights? Because I wanted you to see something that was in the future to come, a church that God had planned, but is not yet a reality. Because Tara and I could look at life and go, we see a church. We see people. We see kids and marriages. We see lives change. We see people experience freedom. And yet we don't even have a 501c3. That's why they're vision nights. Here's one for you. You got that picture of that trailer? Throw that up there if you have that picture. This trailer. Look, look at this. Look at this. Look, look, check out this trailer. This picture. Do you have that picture for me? This picture, if they don't have it back there, I'll explain it to you. It's basically an empty trailer. Anybody remember when we were at the school, at Tavola Elementary School? A few of you. Some of you do. At Tavola, we used to back in two 24-foot trailers and load them in every Saturday morning, pull all this equipment off of them, put it into the school, set it up, have church on Sunday morning, and then Sunday after church immediately, be ha we had to be out by 1 o'clock, tear everything back down and put it back in the trailers and drive them 30 minutes away to storage. And you think today is difficult. But when we first got these trailers, Pastor Brandon and I went and got them, and we got these trailers, and we picked them up. It was one of the best days in the history of the church. We got these trailers. They're completely empty. And I took a picture. He's standing next to the picture. I took this picture of this empty trailer. And the guy selling the trailers to us was probably thinks we're crazy. Like, what is he doing? Like, take a picture with all your stuff in the trailer. No, 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 no. I have a vision of what that trailer is going to hold. We didn't even have crap to put in the trailer yet. Excuse the, excuse the expression, but it's the best way I probably could put it there. I could have said something better. But you know what I mean. We didn't have stuff to put in it, and yet I'm taking pictures of a trailer. Why? Because you have to have a vision of what God is going to do when you have something in your life. Oh, but pastor, I feel so empty. But pastor, I don't have anything to give. But pastor, how could God use me? Use your empty space. Give it to God. Have a vision that he will fill it, and he will. And those trailers delivered week after week after week, and it was hard work. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me it was easy. I step into the blessing of God. You'll step into the blessing of God, but it ain't easy. You got to work for that thing, and you work that thing out of your life because God gives you a vision, and God leads you to do something that doesn't make sense. You can't start thinking formulas of logic. You can't start trying to rationalize what God's doing. You step out and go, we're moving. Man, we sit down with people and meet with them and be like, we're going to start this church. Why? 
because God told us to. The problem is oftentimes we get stuck. We get stuck. And when we get stuck, we don't want to move because we're stuck. Sometimes we're stuck because we're complacent. Sometimes we're stuck because we're hurt. Sometimes we're stuck because we're lazy. Sometimes we're stuck because we can't get the motivation because we've tried before and I don't want to go through that again. But I believe most of the time we're stuck. It's because we've lost our vision. Maybe this morning you feel stuck. Static. Haven't moved in a while. To the point now you don't even know how to get moving forward. This morning I think you're in the right place. Because the vision that we have for this church, what we see about you, is simply the same thing we say over and over every week. It's the, ground, it's the foundation that this church is built upon. It's the filter everything passes through to see if we do it or not. It's what's painted on that sign and on the website and on social media. We exist. We are here. We started this church to move you so you're not static and you get unstuck from where you are to where God wants you to be. But you have to have a vision, and you have to see that, and you have to go, God, I'm committed to it. I'm willing to move because God wants to move you forward. How many of y'all get a word for the new year? You're like, 2020, whatever, here I come. I got a word for you. I've already got a word for the church for 2024. You may not like it, and I thought about not telling you, but it's simply this, motion. It's time to move. It's time to get something in you that says, I got to get unstuck from where I am. If you're going to be here next year, you're going to be inundated with motivation. It's not easy to come to the avenue and stay stuck. At least that's my goal. Maybe you figure out how to do it. I don't know. I understand sometimes people are in seasons where they're resting, where they're healing. We're all in on that. But, man, at some point, you get a vision for what God has for your life, and you get hungry to start going after it again and again and again. Because God is not into stuck. He didn't say go into all the world and get stuck, get people saved, and get them stuck. He said go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. What is discipleship making? Motion. Movement. Forward moving of our lives. Maybe you got stuck in life. Let me give you three areas that we get stuck on. Three areas that if you have poor eyesight, you will learn to live in com complacency. You'll learn. You won't get out of it. Simply this. Number one, you get stuck on the same. Say same. You get stuck on the same. We all like change. We all go to the same restaurants. And when you go to the same restaurants, you order the same food. You like fajitas. Go to Gringo's, fajitas. Go to Chili's, fajitas. Go to McDonald's, fajitas. We don't serve fajitas here. What do you have? We have a fajita salad. I'll take it. It's easy to like change until it's happening to you. A while back, I, I don't even know if it's still on, but we used to watch this show called The Biggest Loser. Tara and I, when she was pregnant with Dax, we'd watch The Biggest Loser. We got caught up in the thing, and we'd watch these shows, and it's all about people who are on a journey of losing weight. Show dramatic. They know how to, like, get you hooked on it, and you're just sitting there on the edge of your seat, like, are they going to make weight tonight? 
we'd watch this show and they'd show the lives of these people eating kale and broccoli all week long and then all of a sudden they get to that moment and here it is and the, the lights go down and the music comes up and so everybody would step on the scale and they had to lose the weight goal that they had for the week and just as soon as they're about to put the number on the screen, they go to commercial break. Every time. The drama of it all. And you're sucked in. Well, when they went to commercial break, I went to the freezer. And I found Bluebell. And I got Bluebell. And on the way back, I bring some potato chips. Well, we're pregnant. And so we're watching The Biggest Loser, and we're killing some happy tracks. And we're just throwing down on this. And the show come back on. And here we go. Did they lose three pounds? Five pounds, everybody goes crazy. The crowd applauds. We're like throwing, oh yeah, potato chips are going everywhere. Eating our bluebell while somebody's trying to lose weight. Why? Because I'm all about you changing, not so much about me. Oh, I can watch you eat kale and broccoli. Yes, go for it. God's going to do something in your life. Look at you going that small group. Look at you leading that small group. Wow, look at you stepping along the way and moving every step where God wants you. Look at your marriage now. It's, could you imagine if you hadn't gone to that church? If God hadn't begun doing those things a year ago, look where you are today. Oh, it's fun cheering somebody else on. But we get stuck on same with ourselves. We get stuck right here in this place, and all of a sudden, we lost a vision for our lives. Remember the people of Israel? The people of Israel were leaving Egypt. See, change is inevitable, but progress is optional. You don't have to have progress. It's optional, but change is going to come. The people of Israel left out of Egypt. They were in bondage, slaves for 400 plus years, leave out. God does his miraculous works, sends these plagues, sets his people free. And not only are they set free, but he also finances their freedom. It, uh, Egypt puts on, like, wealth on them. They walk out. They get to the Red Sea. They are filled with fear at the Red Sea. Now, what are we going to do? We should have gone back. We should have gone back. And Moses says, quiet down. Holds out his staff. The Red Sea parts into Two and a half, three million people walk through on dry land, get to the other side. When Pharaoh and his armies decide to pursue them, they walk through the waters. It closes back up, floods them, and destroys army, and the people of God are free. And what should have been an 11-day journey to get from Egypt to the promised land of Israel takes them 40 years. Why? Because they got stuck on same because they didn't have the vision because God said go spy out the land so they sent spies the spies go in they come back they said there are grapes that are huge the food the land everything about it unbelievable but what they saw with their natural eyes told them it was impossible for them to do and they believed the lie they believed the lie that they couldn't take the land. Two out of 12 believed they could, that God would empower them to. And what happens is then they got stuck in an 11-day journey turned into a 40-year work. Same shoes every day. Their Nikes never wore out. The Bible says they wore the same shoes for 40 years. Same clothes every day. 
stuck on same. Same food every day, 40 years, stuck on same. Until the generation of unbelief died, and then there was those that had a vision for what God was going to do in the new and promised land, then he would move them forward. You cannot allow your life to get stuck on the same thinking, the same mindsets, the same expectations. You have to move to a place where you go, man, this year was what it was, good, bad, awesome, not so awesome. But I'm going to have vision that next year, I'm going to have vision that this month, I'm going to have vision that what God is doing right now in my life is better than it's ever been. Why? Because of you, because of God working through you, and he has a plan for you. But you've got to see it first. God, help us to get a holy discomfort and not stay where we are with our lives. I look around this room and I see dream team people serving. Making all this happen. Unloading trailers. Now we don't have trailers anymore. Now we have self-storage here on site. But it still takes a lot of work to do all of this. What you see with your eyes is because somebody looks through the lens that God has for their life. And they don't see just this. They see people sitting in each chair when they put out a chair. And know God's going to touch the person in this seat. I'll volunteer to lead a small group. I'll open my home up. Why? Not because the group is even happening yet, but because I can see, I have vision that God's going to bring people into that circle and into that group, that he is going to transform their life through those moments. I heard a story this morning in our huddle that somebody came, not even to our church, but to, to a small group last week. And they said, I want to go to growth track tonight because of that small group. They never heard our worship team sing. They never heard me preach. They never experienced anything here on a Sunday morning. But a small group already began to change their life. That's why we're so committed to doing life together in small groups. That's why we're committed to making disciples. You don't drown because you fall in water. You drown because you stay there. And it's time for us to realize if I am stuck on same, I've got to move. Number two. Stuck on self. Moses was a great deliverer, but he failed miserably. He had this burning bush experience. This experience of walking through the wilderness. He lived 40 years. Killed a man. Fled. Lived another 40 years in his new life, new identity. Family, kids. And he's out walking one day and he sees this bush on fire that is not consumed. He says, I must walk over to it and see what's going on. He does, and suddenly he realizes God doing a miraculous work. A voice comes out of the burning bush and tells him what he's going to do with his life from that moment forward. In that moment, Moses has to decide, the same that you decide. Am I going to listen to the voice of God, what my life is going to do, or am I going to turn back and go, nope, God, you're wrong. I can't do that. I know who I am. I'm stuck on self. We get stuck on same, we get stuck on self. And God is consistently trying to qualify people, and we are consistently trying to disqualify ourselves. And tell God, you're wrong about me. You got it right about them, but you're wrong about me. The moment you don't walk out the vision of God in your life, it would seem to me you're telling God he's wrong about what he says about you. I should have smiled a little bit more when I said that. 
But God has a great habit of using people. It's got David in the Bible, murdered people, cheated on his wife, but was a man after God's own heart. God used him. Simon Peter, he was ashamed of Jesus, denied even knowing him. In the moment Jesus, you could say, needed him most, walked away from Jesus. But God used his life to preach a sermon on Pentecost Sunday, and the early church, what we see now, was born 2,000 years ago. 3,000 people came to Jesus and were saved because of that one sermon from a man who was ashamed of Jesus not too many days prior. God has a habit of using people who disqualify themselves, but if they get a vision from God for their life, he'll use them. You've got to see that if you get stuck on same, you get stuck on who you are, you suddenly have an inward view and not an outward view. Your perception and perspective becomes inverted instead of extroverted. If you come to church and go, man, this is great. It's what I needed. That's amazing. That's a start. But it's not a healthy place to be week after week after week after week after month after month after month after year after year. It's what I needed. It's what I needed. It's what I needed. We all need it. But what you need more is you need to get an outward perspective and an extroverted view of life that you go, now how can God use me to do the same for somebody else? Because it's easy to have that inverted view, but I've got to suddenly put the goggles on and go, okay, but now I've got to see what does God want to do with my life and how can I be a part of this? We are constantly making it available to anybody that wants to serve and be a part. Hey, I want to join the dream team. I want to be in this community. If you're looking for a relationship and community at the avenue, the best two places to find it are dream team and small groups. Serve with each other. Do life together. It's hard to find it on a Sunday morning. It's too hectic. There's a lot going on. It's crazy times trying to build a relationship. Hey, how are you doing? How's the wife? How's your kids? You're, like, you're going through all these questions. How was work? And you, you can't even answer because... You're passing each other. It's two services. It's all that's happening. You need space to have those conversations. And inside of that, you realize, wait a minute. If I'm going to do that, if I'm going to serve, I've got to get past stuck on self. Because when you get stuck on self, you begin to look at what you need. Well, I need more time. It's not a good time. I'd love to serve, but it's not a good time. I'd love to serve, but it's, it's inconvenient to my schedule. I'd love to serve, but, you know, right now it's just not a good season of my life. Can I let you in on a little bit of inside information? For every dream teamer that's serving and volunteering, they have the same excuses. Dream team right now should be like, it's inconvenient, you don't have time, and it's not a good season of life. I'd love to, but you know what? It's just right now I can't because... There's always excuses. There's always reasons. But when you get an extroverted view of your life, when you can look at the exterior, what God's doing, and get your life and vision off of me and see what can God just do through me, channel through me, use me for to touch somebody else's life, you may find out that is fulfillment like you've never experienced. 
satisfaction like you can't imagine. This is what we do at the movies. We do at the movies, this whole series right here. We do this simply because we're giving you and me, you, the opportunity to take this card and give it to somebody and say, come experience Jesus in a way you never have. Let me set this up. If you come to the movie series to be entertained, oh, that's cool. I can't wait to see what movie they do. And it's only to be self-fed. I have a problem with it. And I don't want you to approach our movie series as if something like, you know what, I, I want you to be all in. I want you to love it. I want you to be curious about the movies. But I want you to be so impressed by it that you go, but I've got to bring somebody else. This is the simplest, easiest invitation of the year. If you have people in your life that you've been saying, come to church, come to church, come to church, and they won't come, this is why this series exists, because this is why they'll come. It is our most well-attended series we do all year long. Why? Because we put things down here on the bottom. And we make the gospel so plain and so simple because Paul was so convinced of it. He wrote this in, oh, i got to find it, in 1 Corinthians 9. He said that I might win some more of them. Verse 22, to the weak I become weak, that I might win them. I might become, listen, all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Is your heart right now in a place that I can get off of myself and I can become all things to all people that by any means necessary, I might win some. This is the beauty of this. This is the opportunity we have is to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto what God is doing. The, Googles of, the, the, the goggles of self, that God will use crazy ideas like a movie series, broken, hurting people, sinful people who he redeems and they discover why they're on earth and he suddenly moves people from their past into their possibilities. During our miracle series, one of our members told me this story. She said, I went to, to work one day and I was wrongly accused at work. Falsely accused. And she said, instead of running away like normal, I was encouraging my freedom small group to stay, to face it, and to let God fight that battle. To trust to put it in his hands. She did those things. And in the end of the story, she was transferred to a new position. She said, I'm happier now than I've ever been with my career and I can look back and see how good God is in one of the hardest situations I have come out stronger because of it. She said it was an absolute miracle that God took me from a terrible situation where I was wrongly accused and set me up on a better career path with a, with a better job and performed a miracle in my life. Because otherwise, if I had been stuck on self, I know how I would have reacted. But when I got a vision for my life that God wanted me to put it in his hands. Suddenly, the outcome was so different. You get stuck on same, stuck on self. And number three, we get stuck on scaring. We just get afraid. Afraid. Scared. But if I asked most of you this morning, are you, what are you afraid of? It'd be like spiders and snakes. Because nobody's afraid. We can handle stuff. 
even if we don't wear the tough guy badge. We can handle stuff. But the problem is, is fear often comes along and has a unique way of manifesting itself in ways that we've never thought of before. In ideas and concepts that we've never really thought about before in our lives. Fear gets in and we get stuck on afraid, stuck on fear. When was the last time you did a staring contest? Don't ever complain about my illustrations. I have a five-year-old. I have a 10-year-old. So I'm still fresh in that world, and I got a teenager. My five-year-old loves a good old-fashioned staring contest. I'm like, you're eliminated. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. When was the last time you had a good stare down, like a staring? Right now, everybody, turn to find somebody. Staring contest right now. Somebody like, that's weird, Pastor. No. <laughs> it is weird. Why would I want to do that? Because when you're a kid, it's awesome. It's like staring contest. When you're an adult, you're like, weird. Why? Because the eyes are the window to the soul. And when I look in your eyes, I can suddenly see things in your eyes that tell me who you are. I can look in your eyes and see anger. I can look in your eyes and see happiness. I can look in your eyes and see pain. I can look in your eyes and see fear. When we're a child, we don't think about those things. Just think about beating somebody. You're an adult. You're doing everything you can to not look somebody in the eyes and let them see down into who you really are. Unless you have a vision for your life that God has given you and he has redeemed the hurt, the anger, the pain, and the fear. And you said, listen, I'll let you see my hurt, pain, anger, fear. I'll let you see my disappointment. I'll let you see my discouragement. I'll let you see it all because when you look in my eyes and see that, you will see the story of redemption of how God healed those hurts and how he's using them today. Some of y'all need to get in a good old-fashioned staring contest and watch God do something. Y'all know the story of David and Goliath? David, shepherd boy, out on the fields. You know who Goliath was? participation. Thank you. Goliath, if you don't know, was a giant. He's a soldier. Skilled, strong soldier. He walks out on the battlefield and he is mocking God and the people of God. David is a shepherd boy that his father has told him, go visit your brothers on the front line. Take them bread and cheese. And when you do, bring, them a little, bring me a report of my boys. Come back. David, not a soldier, goes to the front lines, sees the boys. And as he's there talking to his brothers to get a report, he hears this giant step up and blaspheme his God and God's people. And he looks around and says, who is going to take care of this guy? And everybody is stuck on fear. And they said, not any of us, this guy has challenged one person, and they're going to have a one-on-one -on -one duel. And the winner of that duel, that army is victorious, and the other nation will now be enslaved to that nation. 
He's skilled. He's strong. He's a soldier. None of us can handle this giant. Notice David in the text. Go back and read it. First Samuel 17. David never one time, uh, never one time attributes anything about his skill, his strength, or his soldier. He never even refers to him as a giant. They see a giant. David sees a victory. They see a giant. David has vision to see a victory because if you look at his words, he steps out on that field and they, the, the giant Goliath says, who is this boy you send out to me like a dog to intimidate David? And David's response was not, hey, look here, giant. He literally looks at him and says, you uncircumcised Philistine, who are you to blaspheme my God? And people are like, David, you're going to get canceled for saying stuff like that. But David saw victory. What was David saying? Listen, he had a vision that was different than any other man's vision in that whole army. They saw fear. They were afraid. And David saw this. He saw a man who was unauthorized to prophesy over God's people and speak a future about them that was not going to come true. And David said, I am going to shut your mouth and take your head because you are casting a vision over God's people that he did not authorize you to speak. That's how you deal with the enemy. That's how you deal with giants. That's how you take down that voice that is speaking over your life. You are nothing. You can't accomplish it. God can't use you. You're disqualified. You know what you did. You know who you are. You speak to that thing and say, I'm going to take your head, you unauthorized voice in my life. God has not told you to prophesy that over my future. So I am removing you, and I am who God says I am. And I will do, and I will say what God tells me to. Why? Because I have vision from him. And when I can see what God sees, I can say what God says. Ooh. So what do you see? What do you see with your life? You can look through the eyes of the world. You can look through the eyes of the Word. It's time this church, each one of you, individually, got your eyes off of the same, got your eyes off of yourself, and got your eyes off of fear. Put your eyes on the things of God. During our series on miracles, I was at the lobby. I'd preached one service in the lobby, shaking hands on the way out before second service began. Brent came up to me and he said, Pastor, I said, I just want to share this with you. And he gave me permission. All these stories I have permission to share. He said, I, I, I just want to let you know. He said, Gene and I had the opportunity to give an offering above our normal regular giving. And so we prayed about it. We came together and said, okay, you get a number, I'll get a number. And we talked. And she, he said, her number was bigger than my number. When I heard her number, I thought, there's a lot of things I could buy with that number. My mind went to what I could do with that. He said, I wasn't sure. He said, our hearts were there, but it was... He said, then you preached. And that Sunday, we preached on the miracle provision. And in between services, he came. He said, we've decided. He said, I've decided. I'm going to step out in faith. This is what we're going to do. We're going to give this offering above our regular giving. 
God moving people from where they are to where he wants them to be. Check this out. Called me Sunday night. He said, we got home from church. Realized nobody had checked the mail on Saturday. Go out to the mailbox on Saturday, open it up. Two checks, not one, not none, two. One, money reimbursement from something they had no idea they're getting reimbursed from. And two, came from something else they had no idea they're getting money from. Sitting in their mailbox to cover the gift they were going to give. They decided to give a gift on Sunday morning and the money was already there on Saturday. They just stepped into faith and saw God do something. Because when you get out of your own way, when we can allow ourselves to not be stuck, boy, he was so excited. And the thrill, the excitement of seeing God move in his life. I can tell you stories. I don't know how much time I got. Story after story after story. Stand up with me. Because I need you to hear this from my heart. If you're going to live a life of purity, young people, you want God to use you? You have to get his vision for your life. Not some other girl's vision, not some other guy's vision. His vision. You want to get a vision for your life? Young adult, single person, get God's vision. Married people, you want to get a vision for your marriage? Get God's vision. Marriages are always fighting over my vision and your vision. You have division. Get God's vision. Pray with me. God, we thank you this morning that you're in this place and you're moving mighty and strong. God, I thank you this morning that you're doing something amazing in our hearts and lives. We give you allowance, freedom to move inside of our lives and get us unstuck from the same old thing, from ourselves and from a place of fear. Moving us today, oh God. Have your way. Pray this prayer across this room. If you're ready to move into a place of faith, if you're ready to move into a place and say, God, I want you in my life, all of you, Across this room, everybody pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins and make me clean. I am yours. Use my life from this point forward. I am new. In Jesus' name. With your eyes still closed across this space. This morning I was talking to you and you say, today something shifted. Today I feel like I've got to make that move. I want to be unstuck. Some people just became unstuck from a life lacking faith. You are about to become unstuck from yourself, from the same, from fear. Maybe you can identify another word. But it's time to become unstuck and get God's vision for your life. If that's you, nobody looking around. It's a moment of privacy. I'm going to pray over you. When I do, I like to know who I'm praying for. Just shoot your hand up and say, Pastor, this morning you're talking to me. Come on here, this morning you're talking to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're talking to me. God, I thank you that in this moment right now, you are doing a work that only you can do. People are partnering with you to get a vision for their life. And because their lives will never be the same, this church will never be the same. Because when an individual gets your vision for their life, everything around them shifts, changes, because we now see with God vision. God set us free from these things that hold us back. Let us be unstuck and move into places that we have only dreamt about from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Come on, put your hands together one time. Celebrate what God's doing.